Welcome to the Signal Line Remote Viewing Podcast, a podcast owned and run by Daz Smith from RemoteViewed.com, the resource for everything remote viewing. This podcast is dedicated to sharing remote viewing related interviews, views, news, resources, and much more. Okay, so let's move on to Ellie Molina then. I'm really interested to hear the presentation. I've heard great things about this uh, uh, and her recent presentation did forever. So welcome, Ellie. Hi, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, it's been great to have you here. So yeah, uh, would you like to give a, a, a brief uh, talk about who you are and, and your, or would you like me to give us a, a quick overview that I, that I nabbed from the URVA website? It's up to you. Um, <laughs> so I can. It, why don't you? If you want to read it, that's okay. If it's too long, I will just briefly talk a little bit about myself. And um, you go for it. It was always better if it comes from you. All right. So thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Some of you know me from the International Remote Viewing Conference. Some of you know me from Marty and Applied Precognition. So. I came into the remote viewing community in 2015 and really felt as if I had found my home. I am a psychic. I'm an intuitive. I read for um, celebrities, uh, public figures, political figures. And then I also read for people who are just, you know, not just, okay, seekers. All right. So it's not just the celebrities that come, but it's anybody who's interested in reading getting readings, but that wasn't always what I did. I spent 37 years in the classroom as a classroom teacher, predominantly middle school, but I have done all ages also. And it was during the years of teaching that I really started developing, looking to develop psychic abilities in children, because everybody, we all know that's everyone psychic, and we all know that we can do this. Um, and it was so apparent in the classroom when I was working with the kids, how easy it was for them to have telepathic hits and do psychic things. And then that started to, it was always a passion and it started to grow and grow. But I really felt that the world wasn't quite ready. It wasn't, I didn't feel it. The world wasn't quite, quite ready for this. And they're still not. So um, as the years went by, I started developing the programs a little bit as much as I possibly could. And then by 2005, that's when The Secret came out. Now, people are familiar with The Secret Law of Attraction. So when The Secret came out, I was still teaching New York City Inner School. And I said to myself, if The Secret can come out on TV, I'm going to talk to the kids about law of attraction and start doing manifestations and things like that. And then our test scores were so high the following year that it was almost like that movie Stand and Deliver, where the administration came into the room and said, what's going on in this classroom? Are you feeding the kids the answers to these tests? And I'm like, no, we're just doing affirmations. We're manifesting. We're creating. We're seeing things. And so it took a little talking. But then one day my principal said to me, I'm going to give you a year to do a course. It's an enrichment program. It's called, and I named it the power to create. 
And I met with the seventh grade students for one year. We had 20 people in the classroom and the things that we accomplished, we did blindfolded work, we did drawing and targets and being able to just do amazing telepathic things, even a little telekinesis, not telekinesis really in terms of that, but just the telepathic experiences that we started to have and the remote viewing, it was just really incredible. So now I was on fire with this. And as an educator, I needed to go teach this. And an opportunity presented itself in Washington State, where then I was able to go teach at, in Washington and at a what I call the magic school. Here's where we did remote viewing. We did blindfolded archery. We did um, telekinesis. And we also did telepathic and telepathic experience, you know, experiments and played around in the classroom with all of this stuff. And it was really wonderful. And then when that school went under, um, because we didn't have enough finances, a group of parents and myself then created our own school. And if you don't mind, I'm going to start sharing some slides at this moment. Okay. Um, just give me a second. And uh, all right, let's see if I can do you know, I still haven't mastered this in terms of, oh, presentations. Anyway, I created, uh, let's put it into presenter mode and wish me luck, okay? <laughs> I created uh, SciKids Academy and it was in the, it's been in the works for many, many years. And I finally got it together um, last year, but basically this year. And so, Let's see if we got the next slide over here. Nope. All right. Excuse me, people. Um, I'm having a glitch. I'm going to have to go back the old fashioned way. And you'll just bear with me. I apologize. All right. So I created scikids.com, make magic happen. It's an online program. Back in the day, this goes back to show you, this was in 2000 and 2010 where um, we started creating the magic school that we put together. And these children are little. This is back in 2010. You can see these kids are really tiny. And we started doing remote view work with them. We started doing focus exercise. We started doing telepathic exercises. And back in the day, uh, before mindfolds, you know, if everybody that works in this arena where I'm, we're all using these now, you know, most people are using the mindfolds, but we didn't have them yet because they weren't around. So we just had the kids blindfolded like this. And then this is a little boy who started to do this for the first time. And like I said, these slides are old. So this is older stuff right now. But he was so excited about doing this work. He felt so zen and so calm. And he was able to see, I don't have his work right now in front of me because a lot of people that have seen it, it's old. It's really old. The pictures are losing their foot color already. But they went on to draw what they saw. Um, in my treasure chest, which I use, and I'll show that to you in a little bit. But they went on to draw what they saw, and they had amazing results with this. And then again, I use the treasure chest with a group of other children, older kids. Again, these are older photos. This is from back in the day. And the kids had remarkable results, and it was always a lot of fun, a lot of wonderful hits. So just 
recently I created a program which is called Make Magic Happen. It's psychic intuitive development for children, where I actually walk kids and their adults through remote viewing, telepathy, and um, exercises and focus and concentration. So now, last year, it was during COVID, I was doing a psychic development program for adults, and I was doing it online. And some of you have seen this photo, this image, because I just find this image incredible. So there was a target. It was an image of Jon Snow. He was hidden in an envelope behind my screen. So this was all on the computer. So people were unable to see what was on my screen. They just had a picture of a manila envelope. And one of the participants had her five-year-old son walk by and look at her screen. And he sees a manila envelope and says, mom, what, like, what's that? And she said, well, there's a picture in the envelope and I'm going to draw it. She goes, do you want to draw also? And so he's like, sure. So he sits down and starts to draw this figure. Now, he uses the words he can't write. So he tells his mother that it is power and a dragon. So now anybody who's familiar with Game of Thrones and knows who Jon Snow is, we know that Jon, I don't want to like, in case you haven't seen it, I'm not going to give away the ending. But <laughs> so if we all know what Jon Snow is capable of, we do know that he is a man of power and there are dragons. And I mean, the fact that this child was five years old, we're not talking about artistic abilities, power and dragon, power and dragon. Again, the hair, the hair, holding this version of a sword, stick figure, you know, the feet here. When you think about it, you it's, it's too accurate to be coincidental, especially in, in the work that we do. So again, I encouraged her to continue doing this work with her child. Then last year during COVID season, um, Marty and Marty from um, Applied Precognitive and I got together and we created a joint project online for parents and their children. Marty did the remote viewing with the adults and I worked with the children. And the hidden object behind the manila envelope was a cupcake. And this little girl She's eight years old at the time. And you could see here she has a date and she said cupcake. Now, when you think about it, it could have the object could have been anything. It could have been a dinosaur. It could have been a book. But she wrote cupcake. And then I just loved how she was able to see the pink on here. Yeah, she got a couple. She added a few other colors to it. But that doesn't matter. She could have drawn a dinosaur. And then she had here the candles and pink. And it was the cupcake. And I was like, this was really an amazing remote view for someone who has never done this work before. Now, I didn't have to convince anybody in the remote viewing community that these things are possible and that children can all do this and not just children, but adults can do this as well. So it doesn't take any convincing in a community that knows, not even believes in this, but knows that this is this phenomena is real. So it's working with, it's bringing this awareness now to a larger audience. And so, one of the ways that I do this is by teaching, we start 
in the Psy Kids Academy, I really start with concentration and focus because when a child can focus and I call it tucking away their body, when we can tuck away our body and not itch and scratch, we can start to focus more on going deeper, going, seeing things, connecting children are naturally in the alpha state. So it becomes really easy for them. However, by teaching children how to focus and how to concentrate, so many other skills are learned. Emotional intelligence is learned. Um, These problems that we encounter in the classroom, ADD, ADHD, hyper, you know, all of this stuff can be I'm going to say circumvented because of the fact that children are taught now in a program the way that I'm teaching them to be able to tuck away and focus there and concentrate on a flame beginning with 10 10 seconds to children can do this up to 30 minutes. Some of the adults that I work with do this up to an hour. And we know what happens to our brains when we do an hour of not moving and we're focused on a candle, you know where we can go. And so the kids can reach these states much quicker um, as long as they can practice tucking away their bodies and then the amazing things that just show up for them. And like I said, I don't have to convince anybody over here. So part of the work that I do, a large part of the work that I do involves not just the phenomena. It is not about the phenomena. It is about teaching the skills that go to learn the phenomena that can then be applied in everyday life. So focus, focus, concentration, then the emotional intelligence that that is necessary to understand, oh, you know, I got a hit, I didn't get a hit. There's a lot of emotional components that go into doing target to doing targets and to getting results. There's a lot of um, ego. There are a lot of skills that need to be developed in order to be really successful. And the more that you start to teach, the more that I teach this, and the earlier that I start working with the children, the faster it is for them to acquire higher levels of emotional intelligence. And we all know that the, the, you know, the qualities of leadership and working better together with other people on the planet is a high level of emotional intelligence. I teach the children to begin by creating their day. In the creation of their day, these are a few moments where they close their eyes before they get out of bed and they then remote view their day. So what does it look like to remote view your day? You close your eyes and you go into your imagination and you see possible things that start to play around. A little bit different than creative visualization. This is in the creating of your day. You there are two skills involved. You one intentionally set intentions for how your day is going to go. And then you also, children also start to look for things that they may come across. So they may find something yellow. They may come across a cup or, you know, it depends on, I'm just using very basic um, examples. However, the older that the children are, the easier it is for them to create their day and the levels of creating their day become more powerful and more intense. So um, I've got some 
stories over here to share also. Um, here we have a beautiful young woman who, young girl, she looks like a woman over here, but she's really a young girl. And many, many of you may know her because she started doing this work when she was very early. And her name is Michaela Russell, and she is the star of Young Wanda. She is Young Wanda in the Marvel series, um, WandaVision. And Michaela and I came into, we met many years ago in, this is her when she was little, we met in 2017, I believe it was, when I, when she was given a copy of my book, Annabelle and the Domino, which is the true story of a little girl who actually moved a domino with her mind. And since that time, I've had three children who have done performed telekinesis in my presence. And so with Annabelle and the Domino over here, this is based on a true account. Um, there have been some children that have been able to do telekinesis. It does take a lot of practice. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of focused energy and uh, not everybody is able to do this, not even adults, because we don't have the patience and the perseverance to sit through what it takes to make that object move. So anyway, getting back to Michaela, Michaela started reading Annabelle and the Domino, and then um, she just continued to focus on some of her dreams. And we're going to circle back and talk a little bit about her later, because to me, she's a prime example of a recent, what I call Psy Kids in the Psy Kids family. And one of the advantages of teaching children to do this is they start to trust their gut. They trust their intuition and they start to hear and heed their inner voice. They're curious, they're engaged, they can focus their attention, they take initiative and they can stand up for themselves. There's when a child knows, if you think back to it, if you're a child or, you know, even you right now, we as adults, we know that our confidence level rises when we know that we can remote view, we know that we have these incredible powers that we use and we have access to this. And when a child has access to their own intuitive abilities and their own remote viewing powers, this gives them a voice also. It allows them to gain more confidence than children who just don't have these, who are not taught that they do not have these abilities. and then what ends up happening is that if they never discover these hidden skills, um, they begin to conform. They become insecure. There's a disconnect. There's resignation. There's mediocrity. And we know this from, you know, some of our own lives, you know, that um, we know what life can be like when we're conforming and insecure and disconnected, et cetera, et cetera. We see this. And what happens also is that many children have this I'm going to read the slide to you, but many children have this quenchless thirst for approval, and there's a tendency to bend to other agendas, and this can sour into cynicism, resentment, anxiety, and despair, and this lasts into adulthood, and one of the really the biggest reason why I do this is because I know that we don't teach children to be psychic. We show them, I show them how to use, we, anyone can do this, how to use their natural ability to see what others are blind to and to so do be curious, confident, and entirely self-possessed. So um, limits are learned, 
possibility is explored. So I want to talk a little bit about young Wanda for a few moments, okay? Um, for people who are familiar with young Wanda, uh, she does telekinesis. And when we think about the synchronicities, when Michaela, before she became young Wanda, many, many years before, was actually sitting there holding the book and reading all about a young girl who performed telekinesis. And then fast forward, you know, a few years later, she herself becomes the young Wanda, who now is performing telekinesis on the, on, on the screen. And one of the ways that I teach telekinesis is that I, not, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little distracted here. Something just popped into the thing up here. One moment. One of the ways that I teach uh, remote viewing is I have this treasure chest. Back in the day when I used to do in-person workshops, I would actually bring the treasure chest into the room and there would be an object in there or a photo. And then the children would sit there and they would put on their blinders and start to look into the treasure chest and then draw what they see. And the results, of course, were always really remarkable. And so um, today, um, again, this is Michaela and her brother Brasher. Um, Audra was, Audra's her mom. And I'm gonna invite them on in a few minutes if that's okay with you, Daz, to have um, Audra talk a little bit about what happened here. So, Today, I was talking to Audra, and Audra said to me, you know what, um, I asked her a few questions. I said, do you have any of those old photos where Michaela was, you know, reading the telekinetic book, and then all of a sudden, she became young Wanda, do you know, she's been working her third eye, is like I call it her third eye, her affirmation, she's working her manifesting abilities, her remote viewing, do you have any photos, and Audra said, yes. I said, do you have any photos of them doing anything recent? And she goes, no, but we'll do something today. And so earlier today, then um, Audra had the children sit down and put on their blinders and do a remote view. And then uh, here was the target. And this was Brasher, Brasher's remote view. You can see over here, there's a star. To me, this is a star close enough, you know what I mean? Hey, this could have been a dinosaur for all we know, right? And so this is the kind of work that gets done. And, you know, can you, can you imagine... Can you imagine his feeling of happiness when he knows that he could have been drawing a tree or a dinosaur, but this is what he did and this was the hit. And to have this ability, to have this confidence, to have this knowledge at this early age is such a gift. So anyway, if you're interested, and I'm going to talk a little bit more and answer some questions, but if you're interested, best way to reach me is at my website, which is elliemolina.com, and then the scikidsacademy.com slash magic. And um, yeah, so I'm going to leave the screen share and start talking <laughs> like I haven't been right now. But if anybody has any questions, because there's so much in this, Daz, there's so much wealth in this that, I mean, I could go through this and spend hours. One of the things that I do do with the kids that we practice also when I'm working with them is we use smiley face cards um, or plain deck of cards. I find, I don't know if you can see this. Um, yep. Anyway, okay, so I use these cards. And then what we do is we start to 
put our hands on the card, we close our eyes, put on the blinders, and then um, we look, we write down, we keep track of the suit, the number, and then what the card will be. And you would be surprised that over time, how many children are able to do many of these numbers. Um, I will tell you the, the highest number of success that I ever had was 11 cards in a row. That was suit and number. And my ego kicked in at that time because as soon as I hit like 11 cards, it was, I, I got scared is really what happened. Like, oh my God, can I do this again? And then, you know, the identity kicked in, the ego kicked in and it was over. It was gone and um, have never been able to do 11 of them again in a row. I can get about three to four right now before that feeling kicks in again, like, oh my God. <laughs> so, but um, anyway, we do that. We use blinders to do a lot of the work. And then um, there are different, lots of different exercises in the programs that I have that are now on that the program that's now online and in the courses and the workshops that I do. So this is part of it. Again, my focus is not just to remote view. My focus is to develop the higher levels of consciousness and emotional intelligence that is necessary, in my opinion, to do this work and to do this work really well. Uh, okay. Questions. Uh, mm -hmm. Excellent. Um, thanks for sharing that. That was fantastic. Oh. Um, about the courses you do at the moment, uh, are they, I just want to, you know, if we can discuss those so that people can understand. So they're on, are they all online at the moment? And do they have, do they come through you or do we go through a, is a third party, like an education service or anything to get to the courses? No, well, thanks for asking that. So I'm going to put the link here. Okay, that's probably, you know, um, it's, this is the link and the course, I have put this course together. Um, and some, I saw over here, what's the youngest age? You know, I'm going to say three years old, but only for focus. All right. So that is, but that would not for the activities, a child needs to want to do some of these activities, the children need to learn to sit. So in order to do this, you know, I'm going to share a little bit about when Marty and I were doing when Marty and I were doing the program together, um, many of the people many of the adults signed their children up because the adults wanted to do the program. And so what I've done in the Psy Kids program is kind of worked it so the adults can participate in it also. And the children who wanted to do the work, again, you saw like that little girl with the, with the, um, with the cupcake, she was an active participant. She wanted to do this work. She was very excited about doing this work. The other, there was one little boy who didn't really want to do the work. And so I don't have any of his photos. He just basically used words. Now, sometimes he had hits, but he didn't really want to be doing it. And that again is the energy, you know, the father wanted him to do it so, so much, but the child, the child was so resistant to it that nothing was going to happen, you know? Um, there is, wait, hold on. I got some questions here. Um, mandatory in school. I would love to see some of this work done in school. And the reason why I say that is just because of the level of emotional intelligence that is necessary. A lot of the, I just did a recent, um, talk with somebody, um, 
about, she asked me about age, he runs a training service and we talked about ADD and ADHD. And we also know that if children were taught to focus, really focus, you know, we're not taught how to feel, to focus. You know, we tell other people, focus, focus, but were we ever officially taught how to focus? You know, I mean, I only learned when I was 19 and I did transcendental meditation and that's all, this is what it looks like to focus, to sit and to concentrate and not move our bodies. You know, that takes a lot of skill. No one teaches us that. And in the classrooms, your teachers don't teach this. They'll just give you medication and, you know, label you, give the kid medication so the kid doesn't become a problem. And I'm looking at that from an education that I'm coming from an educational point of view, inner city schools. So, um, you know, this is a big, really big circle about, you know, nutrition, what they eat, focus, concentration, educators needing to know this information. Also the, you know, you can only teach according to the way that you're taught and what you know. And if you don't know any differently, you can't teach any better than the way that you've been taught. And so, um, there's just a couple of questions. The youngest age, I'm going to say probably for this kind of work, Candle Focus is really great. And you don't need to be in the Psy Kids Academy to do that or anything. You could start there. But the activities, you know, really getting into the remote views, that can be done at age five. Um, depending on your child and if they're excited about doing it, you can start doing it at age four. Now, I also believe, and this is a this is a personal belief of mine, that this work begins with the parents. It begins before the child is born. It begins in conversation. It begins in a conversation of what is possible. I have a two and a half year old grandson. I talk to him all the time about what is possible and what we can do. And he doesn't even understand probably half of what I'm talking about, but I'm priming him. I'm getting him ready so that in a year from now or a couple of months from now, he's going to sit and start doing exercises and activities with me. I read him Annabelle and the Domino about telekinesis. So I am prepping him for this is what's possible. This is no longer a, oh yeah, really? I don't believe that kind of stuff. This is real. And um, okay. Oh, oh, interesting. Ida, um, her children were taught focus as toddlers and they started school. They were shamed out. Yes. And I, I want to a lot of topics on this one. I just wrote a I just wrote a newsletter about the lights going out in children's eyes. And one of the things that I've noticed is the light does go out. Their light, the light in their eyes becomes dull when they're in elementary school. And what does it take to bring that light back? And I've noticed that the light can come back when we when I teach them remote viewing, when their parents teach them remote viewing, when their parents teach them telepathy, when they have that power within, the light comes back on. Um, okay. And uh, we have a we have a hand up from Jim as well. He's had his hand up for a while. Okay. All Go right. Ahead, mm -hmm. Hey, Ellie, thank you so much for for speaking to us, and thank you for your work on this. I think it's really important. I'm just curious for some of us as adults who came to remote viewing, sometimes accidentally uh, as kind of a, uh, an epistemological crisis, if you will, you start to discover you have all these capabilities and maybe things aren't what you thought they were. And I'm just curious in your experience with kids, it seems like maybe that for us, we've been encultured for so many years to think a certain way, but, but maybe children haven't. So in your experience with children, do they struggle when they see that they have these capabilities or is it just become 
very natural to them, no, no, uh, no conflict or friction when they see that. Um, there's excitement when they see it. So I'm just going to, again, depending on the background, where they come from. Now, obviously, people who have people who the children who come to me, their parents are very open. Otherwise, they wouldn't be coming to me and we wouldn't be having these conversations. And so the kids are excited by what they can do. This is really wonderful. They're very happy. And then a very interesting thing happened, Jim, just to give you an aside. Uh, when my when my book, when I wrote my book, Annabelle and the Domino, and this is a true story. I don't know if anybody knows um, Betsy Chassie. She is the uh, director of what she created, the creator of What the Bleep. So if anybody remembers that movie, What the Bleep, well, um, Betsy is one of my friends and I taught her daughter back in our magic school. And when I wrote Annabelle and the Domino and I sent Betsy a copy of it for her daughter, her daughter's response was, oh, this is boring. Everybody can do this. (laughs) And I was like, whoa, yeah, okay. Because her daughter had been exposed to this kind of work. So this was now what somebody else would look at, Jim, as unbelievable. This is fake stuff. This is not real. Betsy's daughter said, yeah, this is boring. Anybody can do this, right? Okay. So different perspective of the way that children are raised and learned. And I'm not sure I answered your question, but I do know that kids get really excited about this work and the levels of confidence increase. Thank you so much. It sounds like a a very, a much more positive experience sometimes than, than if you're an adult and you've had 20 or 30 years being led to believe certain things that may not be true. Yeah, well, I always look at it like this. By doing this work, we don't have to do all that unprogramming later. You know, we don't have to do all that therapy to to believe in ourselves. We don't have to do all of that work, you know, loving ourselves and believing that we're capable of so much more when we intuitively know from birth that we are capable of so much more. We know these things. And then that knowing is knocked out of us by maybe well-meaning parents, educators, society. And so these kids know that this is there. And I'm going to just, if it's okay, um, I'd like to invite Audra to speak a little bit because Audra has raised two Psy kids. And, um, oh yeah, Don's, Don, there's a, a comp, there's a, comment and I'm not able to do two things like at the same time. So while I'm talking, I won't be able to read that right now, Don, but I, I will when, I will in a minute. All right. So I'd like to introduce Audra, if that's okay, Daz, really quickly. And Audra is the mom of two incredible actors, Brasher and Michaela, Michaela, Michaela. And um, Audra has done this work for many years. And so I'm going to let her talk about what it was like to raise these two children, one of whom is now a really well-known child actress. Hi, Audra, thanks for being here. Hi, Ellie, can you hear me okay? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, good, sometimes my headphones give me trouble. So first of all, both of my kids love talking to you and working with you. Michaela's right over here, so she may jump in and say hi too. She's back here working on something. <laughs> Oh, I would love that. Yeah, but I, I want to say what, what you were saying about kids in elementary school and middle school, it's so true. I used to go to school to meet my kids for lunch. 
and I would walk around while their kids were walking down the hallway and I, in their eyes, I would just see so many kids just didn't look happy and I didn't understand what it was. I didn't know if it was what type of food they're eating, if it was too much technology or just an unhappy home, I don't know. But we try to maintain a positive environment where our kids are keeping their imaginations and creativity wide open. And so what was five years ago, at least I had a, there was an article about my kids in a magazine and you had an article in there at the same time. And I read it and I had to contact you and we've been friends ever since. Yeah. And go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask you a question. Um, can you, if you can share some of, remember when, when I had my old website where Michaela and Brasher were remote viewing and they would look mm -hmm. in the treasure box and then yeah. they would, um, draw their remote views and there were times where they were highly accurate and I don't have any of those images anymore because that was on an old computer yeah but... I still have them I'm sure I'll resend them to you thank you yeah I one was so clear Michaela showed it to me and they both wanted to do it so I had them go in their separate rooms with quiet space and they came out and showed me their drawing and Michaela drew a golden pineapple with the jagged you know a jagged top and the image was a crown. And so I told her, I said, you, you know, you drew gold you, with a yellow pineapple gold and the crown, I think it was gold and it had the, the, you know, the edges on the top like that. But she used the word pineapple, but she was still seeing the general shape and outline of what was in the box. And then Brasher, I think you had, I think it, you had a puppy dog, it was either a teddy a or a puppy mm -hmm. dog, a dog. And he drew a little white, teddy bear he called it a teddy bear I don't know if it was a dog or a teddy bear but it looked quite similar to what you had in the box so we've been doing it just for fun I like to do it with them because it helps keep their mind clear you know I'm not out there telling them you can go manifest whatever you want you can go you know I'm more about keeping their spirit clear and open so that they can see and know what's right for them Mm. And then that way they have that meditative state where they're receiving that higher guidance that can lead them to know what's the best path for them. Because I don't ever want to tell her, okay, Michaela, go and wish for this movie or wish for that role, because that may not be the best path for her. And that's, you know, happened in the past before we've had her books. She was down to her and what other girl for a role. And then we know what's meant for her will come. And the same with Brasher. And then sure enough, she didn't get that one particular role, but if she had gotten it, she would have missed being able to audition for Marvel, which was a huge love of hers, you know? And then that goes back to that, one of those beginning conversations you and I had, it was when she first started acting, she wanted to learn and she didn't know anything about acting. We had no family, no friends in the business. So I said, okay, well, let's learn. Let's do background work. Let's go on set and see how a set runs. And it happened the first call we got to um, be on set for was Marvel. And they asked her if she could be a photo double for Ant-Man's daughter on Ant-Man and the Wasp. So it was good training. And then she got called in and asked to do, you know, help set up camera tests and lighting. And it was a great education for her. And she knew she wanted to do it. She fell in love. And so that last day on set, because a lot of Marvel stuff is filmed here in Atlanta. And we got home that last day on set and there were two books waiting for me on the table. One was for Michaela and one was for me. And it was your book that you had sent her, Annabelle and the Domino. And we were just laughing because it was so interesting. It was fun, a fun book. 
Well, fast forward, what, four years later? And here she ended up getting booked as young Wanda, which is the young Scarlet Witch in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And Scarlet Witch is known for telepathy and telekinesis. Mm-hmm. Now, the interesting part is when we auditioned for that, we didn't know what we were auditioning for. Marvel does not put details in what this role is. Oh, so we got wow. an audition. It was called an unnamed Marvel SVOD, a streaming project. And it didn't name the characters. It was a set of dummy sides. And she knew she wanted to be back at Marvel. So she did it. All we knew is that she had to be either uh, Russian or Eastern European with an accent. We didn't know either, but she figured it out. It just, she made it happen. It was a lot of work, but she did it. So two months later, we got the call saying that they want to see her again. And then we found out she did book it. And that's when we found out what exactly she was auditioning for. And that's when we found out she was going to be the young Wanda or Scarlet Witch, the young Scarlet Witch. And my question was, who's Scarlet Witch? Because I didn't really watch Marvel. And both my kids looked at me with their eyes wide open, like, you don't know who Scarlet Witch is? And they explained to me that she's known for the Mind Stone and telepathy and telekinesis. And so the joke in our house was, oh, just like my mom's friends. So she fell right into the role because she hears, you know, we talk with you and some of our other friends who are very much like us. So it was fun and very synchronistic. And that's where the higher order, the higher world meets this world. Yeah, thanks, Audra. Thank you. And, yeah, and thank I, you, Ali. And I, I really wanted to Audra to share her story because she's been using this work with the children and practicing. And they're not to say that, hey, if you've got kids and grandkids, they're all going to go off and become actors, but there is, or or famous, but there is a level of confidence that gets instilled in children when they know that they have these incredible abilities and that they can use them. So um, any questions and um, right here. Questions, any questions? Everyone's a bit shy. Um, I, I won't be shy. I've got a question. Go for it, David. Um, it's, it probably wouldn't be possible for my kids to attend your course. Um, but I'm wondering if there are, I mean, do you have a book with exercises in, or could you suggest some exercises that I could do with my kids? Well, uh, the course is online. That's number one. So if you have a computer, anybody can do it. I've set it all up so that that's available. If they have computer access, they can do the course if that's possible. Um, Otherwise, there are some exercises that I have. I did write a book in 2017. Uh, It was an Amazon bestseller. It's called Children Who Know How to Know, and that's available on Amazon, and there are exercises in there. Uh, They're not the same kind of remote viewing. They're exercise. Yeah, it's pretty much it's. um, I mean, I'm a remote viewer, so. um, Right, so you know how to do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but in in terms of exercises that are not necessarily directly psi, but are going to be good for the kids and give them a foundation for that kind of thing. You mentioned candle focus. Is there there other stuff? So there's a lot of other stuff. And I do, there's mind, there's mindfulness and there's intuitive heart. And I have that in um, the book, Children Who Know How to Know. I actually have the the um, script for ways to access intuitive heart with children. Cause I use that in the classroom when I was helping children with autism 
Um, and um, yeah, when I was working with autistic children, um, we did a lot of the intuitive heart exercises, tapping into the heart, accessing the heart, and then of course, taking that a little bit further into being able to see to see remote viewing also. So again, it was in a way of accessing. Then the exercises in the books, yeah, again, it's not about the phenomena. And David, as you said, you're a remote viewer, so you can do all the work, you can do the remote viewing and all of that. The exercises that are in my book set the groundwork for language that we use with children, language to lose with children. It begins to develop the emotional intelligence. So there's chapters on uh, thought and language, words, intuition, intuitive development, the heart, uh, brain, the brain. So there, and then there are different exercises towards the end of the book, which talk about um, out-of-body experiences and um, taking it a little bit further, telekinesis, telepathy. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Thank you. I've just bought the book, so oh. I look forward to reading it. Isn't Thank Amazon you. great? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, uh, Don, there's a hand up next if you want to go next, Don. Okay, yeah. Um, I want to do this, you know, with my grandkids, right? So, so here's the thing. I got one parent, which is my daughter. She's totally plugged into the remote viewing scene, what I'm doing, all of this stuff, right? The other parent is not so much. Um, need to do something that can break into this situation and um, sort of get started. Where, what am I doing here? Am I buying a book or am I going online? What do I need to do? Oh, oh, thank you, Don. I'm seriously going to suggest there's a, I did a 16 page free brochure that is an introduction to this work that you can do with ages three to 99. And this does not, in, this is so easy stuff that even a parent who doesn't want you to remote view or do any of this work would entertain this kind of work because it's fun. And so the free brochure is available at scikidsacademy.com and then it is downloadable. You get it. And then you have 16 pages of activities to do with children ages, you know, whenever, since the time they can walk until 99 so for the child and all of us. So um, those are available there if you didn't get that. So you could do these activities with them. There are lots of, they're really fun. And this way, these activities, Don, are not going to interfere with um, parents who still have challenges believing that these things are real, if that makes any sense. Uh, that does make a lot of sense. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm just going to share this. Uh, I have three sons. Uh, two sons have children. One of my sons welcomes when his grandmother, when his mother comes over, because I'm supposed to be teaching them how to shoot fireballs out of my hands. Okay. That is, I don't know how to do that yet. All right. But the, <laughs> point is, the point is that my son is open. He can't wait for me to come over and be teaching my grandson. And my other grand, my other son is like, what are you saying to him? What are you talking about with him? Like, in other words, don't talk about your stuff. Okay. Don't talk about magic. Don't use that word. And I was like, okay, you know, we'll see you later. We're going off for a walk now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. All right. So there's ways we can work around this, Don. That's why I wrote that book brochure. <laughs> All right. I'm going to download that and let's see what happens next. Thank you. You're welcome. Before we move on to the next question, I uh, just wonder if I could ask one. Um, have you seen with the children you worked with, um, is there a is there a gender bias to who, uh, the, 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 the gender that takes on this faster or better? You know, is there is there a bias in any way? No. No, no. I'm going to tell you, and if there is, I find that the girls are intuitive. Something may happen in our educational system that messes with them a little bit because I've been following an Herba in our, my Herba presentation. I followed some of the kids and I have to tell you the guys who are now in their twenties use this more than the women, than the girls have used it. And I'm not sure what happened or why or what the story is about that. And if it's just an individual thing that will, that girls go off of and shopping. And, you know, if girls right. go have other, you know, interests, but the boys were able to stay. Well, oh, you know what? Maybe there is now that you're saying that because men are more are more focused. We know this biologically, the way the, the brain works. You know, men are the hunter. <clears throat> focused on like kill the deer, kill the deer, kill the deer, you know, go get the deer. So the guys have been able to really use this work, focus long-term on goals and plans in remote, carry over the meditations and then go after the careers and even creating their day and using the work that I taught them when they were in um, sixth grade to have really great careers right now. And even some of them are doing investing, which again, you know, this is real interesting because this is, again, they're using their skills to do the market and they're only in their twenties. So I find that personally very fascinating. And um, yeah, that's an interesting question. Thank you for asking that. Yeah, no worries. Uh, I think Ida was up next with a question. Um, thank you. Um, Ellie, this has just been such a tremendous experience to hear you. My, uh, my sons are, I don't know, probably older than dad's, but the thing is that when my older, both of them practiced transcendental meditation, we did yoga, everything was fine. In fact, people would get upset because I would think, and they would, we would be having conversations telepathically. Like, you know, it's like, Hey, do you want some orange? You know, I'd be at the fridge. Do you want some orange juice? And I would hear, you know, yes. So I would pour one glass and give it to the right kid and it would freak out people. I mean, mm. but you know, I just kind of blew it off because those weren't people. If you could see me here, I'm pushing the energy away with my hand, but um, until the second grade for my older son in the second grade, he, um, I mean, I, I have tears just remembering this. He uh, was sitting in a class and he was sketching something and he was listening. It wasn't, that wasn't the issue. But this teacher, now this was many years ago in the South. So I'm just saying it also, as a side note, it also depends on where you are and what the school system is like. Mm -hmm. Agree. Mm -hmm. um, and she yanked him up by his hair, took him to the principal's office and said, 
he is possessed by the devil. I don't want him in my classroom anymore. So I had a phone call. I got a phone call. And I went down to the school and they put him in special education. And he had a wonderful team. I mean, I still remember her name, Margaret, um, Miss Darden. And um, oh, as Hagrid would say, a perfectly marvelous dragon. She was red haired. And I mean, it was like this massive red hair. I mean, she looked like the, the typical Irish spiritual, you know, I don't want to use the W word, but you know, the, the, the being who steps out of the forest and says, I am here for you. And so he survived that barely being told that he was possessed by the devil. And then there were other people in the culture around him that had heard that from his, because she went to her church and asked him to pray. It was horrible. So anytime these kids do something in public, so to speak, or in school, um, they will get shut down. I mean, and then right now here in the United States, it's it's really. I I would be so cautious, in, depending again on the culture of the area and the school district, and how many churches are on the corners. Ida, thank you for sharing that story, and um, I am really sorry that your son had to experience that. And I'm sorry that your family had to experience that. And when I hear these, I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm intending that he has become an amazing young man uh, for the, because of this now. Um, only when I hear these stories, I am, I am reminded of what life was like in an inner city school of, of messing with the children is basically what it comes down to, you know, um, just really killing dreams and dulling the light, destroying creativity. And for me, the institutions, you know, like I'm, I'm over here, I'm going to say this, these institutions are archaic and they need to go. And unless they can be replaced with educators who are emotionally intelligent and have higher levels of consciousness, otherwise these things have got to go. And hey, we're doomed. We're doomed if, if that doesn't happen. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's happening in, in Texas right now. I mean, I unfortunately am living here now and it's it's really scary yeah and that's why i really believe that you know we're over here now we're able to teach this work and if you know to the more people that we can especially younger generations also the more people that we can have these conversations with the more that we can create the next generation of intuitives and remote viewers um, and not become like, I don't want to start, you know, getting on a soapbox, but you know, the, um, the programming that's happening for our children, the young, for the kids, you know, get being two years old and being, 
you know, in front of a screen and then there's no more interaction, there's nothing happening. Yes, my program is in front of a screen also, I agree, but only it's a different kind of learning in their senses are not being dulled. And, you know, we're living in scary times for children right now, if you ask me, and adults also, but more, mostly for the younger children now that are going through this system. Absolutely. Thank you again. And, uh, you know, like I said, I've been on that. I, I was at that beginning of the curve and um, it, uh, it, it, it changed. I mean, the one thing my two sons told me through the years when I'd say, hey, let's try this, or, you know, and I would bring up things. And finally, they just told me, Mom, we just want to be average. We want to be like everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when my heart, my soul was, as I say, my soul was bruised. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyway, thank you. Oh, well, thank you for sharing this because this is what happens to children in many parts of the United States, maybe even in the world. Okay. And then there are those, those children who were so blessed to have parents or grandparents like you people here who are able to bring this work to create um, an awareness, to raise consciousness, to teach them to trust their intuition, to make a difference so that we're not all going to be programmed like sheep for the rest of our lives. Well, one, one really good thing, my first cousin's either granddaughter or great-granddaughter, I can't quite remember how that goes, decided with COVID to turn me on to the Twilight series and the Harry Potter series. I know, I know everybody else knows all about those. I did not know about, I did not know the movies. And at one point in the Harry Potter series, Hermione says to Harry, Harry, even in the magical world, people who hear, who hear voices are considered strange or something like that. And I thought, okay <laughs> so it's not just out here <laughs> that's a that was an astute comment thanks okay bye interesting catch mm -hmm. ellie i have another question if i may um in the mm -hmm. uk here it seems uh, i hear that every other child i hear about is is uh, kind of diagnosed with a uh, adhd or a, a similar disorder or or or, or condition mm -hmm. um and it seems to be growing. Do you think that maybe because kids aren't being taught to focus and focus upon themselves and, and you know, there does seem to be a, a massive disconnect in, in what you, you teach against what I see taught in schools here in the UK? Yeah. So uh, thank you for that question. Excellent question. When I was teaching middle school in New York City, right, the kids would come in at eight o'clock in the morning and they were bringing their breakfast. Breakfast consisted of sugar water and donuts or some sort of other sweet food. No, 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 not food something sweet and sugar water that was breakfast so you can imagine here they are middle school kids eating this stuff before they enter into the classroom and now they're going to start flying okay so they're physically going to want to burn off all this sugar right they're getting sugar rushes and so that's part of the problem is nutrition and then the second part of the problem is that they are we're not 
we all know this, we're not designed to take a middle school boy and stick or girls sit longer. They have more patience. We're able to sit longer. We know this middle school boys, young boys are not, think about your own lives. You guys are not trained. We're not biologically designed to sit in a room, listening to some boring person, talk about something that we're not interested in all day long. So of course you're going to be restless and impatient and you're going to be active and you're going to do these things and then you're going to get in trouble. And so the teachers are not able to manage all of this because it's a problem child. So what happens, you're disciplined. And if you're not disciplined, if your discipline doesn't work and you're labeled, then you take meds. And then you can go sit quietly in the classroom and you have ADD and ADHD. But put those kids out in the field and have them run around and do some work or something. I bet you're going to have fewer problems than sitting in a classroom all day long. It's just, it's not natural. It's just not natural. Excellent. Thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> up next was Jules. Do you want to go for it, Jules? Hello, um, we Sorry, you, you caught me unaware as I was, I was looking at other shit. <laughs> Ellie, thank you very much for um, uh, your, your talk this evening. Uh, the, the thing that's springing to mind to me, um, there is a documentary, uh, I think called Superhuman, which has a, uh, an English woman who is actually doing a, a very similar thing. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, are, are you guys in contact? Do, do, do yes. you converse? So um, we're not talking now. I do know. I do know Nicola, and we have spoken. And um, Nicola does this work also. She does this, but it's a little bit different. She does it through her academy, which is ICU. I forgot exactly what it stands for. Um, she trains teachers. Her method is um, she follows a prescribed method, of course, which is great. Um, only. I'm more free thinking, if that makes any sense. I don't, I, don't, I don't want this to come out wrong, okay? I'm not that structured in terms, like you don't have to take this particular course in order to teach this work. So for example, if David wanted to go home and be teaching this work to his children, he's a remote viewer, by all means, go teach, do this work, you know, and, and you can do this. And so Nicola's work is um, more structured. She follows different kind of teaching. There is um, a different kind of spiritual element attached to it. Um, I forget that she, so does that, it's a little bit different, only in terms of the belief system, the results, she has incredible results though. Oh, so she's worked, but you know, so Sean, Sean McNamara, you know, many of you have heard about Sean. So Sean, and also Carolyn, um, Carolyn Corey, so these are Carolyn Corey and Sean have been working with Mindfold and they're, they're teaching children. I don't know. They're, Sean is working right now on training adults how to read blindfolded. And uh, this is my goal also to do with the children the way that Nicola does. Only because of COVID and not being able to be with children and around kids, I've just been challenged by this. So I haven't gotten to it. But Sean's working it with adults right now. Oh, that's really good. I, I know I've met Sean, he was a lovely fellow. Um, th this whole thing uh, seems to have, it certainly took me by surprise because it, it seems to have mushroomed in different areas of the world. For, for example, Nicola and then yourself uh, and Sean obviously later possibly from seeing other people. Is there a reason that you think that uh, this 
level of perception, this this new new be old. I, I don't know that this perception to see through absolute you know in, incredible bounds and, and blockades. Uh, is this a new thing? What, what do you think brought several people, several um, organizations around the world to actually start doing this? I'm not sure, um, but I will tell you that Roald Dahl, the children's author, wrote about this many, many years ago when he talked about this man in India who he talked to the story about Henry Sugar. And Henry Sugar used to be able to ride blindfolded through the streets and would go into um, I believe Henry Sugar was able to go into casinos and win lots of money and he could do things without using his eyes. And um, I know that was back in the day. That was a book, believe it or not, written for children. But again, remember, there's this there's this consciousness. So these ideas have been around for a very long time. We do have collective consciousness. So it's not surprising that people are tapping into the same ideas at the same time around the planet and um, doing this kind of work. And I think also, Jules, the time is getting ready and ripe. People are more open for this work right now than ever before. So we're looking at the beginning, you know, we're looking at the beginning. I think this thing's gonna explode in a few more years unless it gets squashed by virtual realities, okay? Which is another, that's my fear and I don't wanna encourage my fears, but my fear is that virtual reality, stick a front, stick the screen in front of them again, and then tell them what kind of reality to go into, meaning them kids, as opposed to kids being able to then use their own intuition. So my fear is that the virtual reality, the virtual world will take over again and squash a person's abilities and intuition. Again, another method of my opinion, it's control. And can I just add one more thing really quickly about the purpose of schooling? I did notice that when I was teaching in New York that I had this thought more often than not that everybody was being structured to become worker bees. And I was actually reprimanded in the classroom for having children read out loud and told that they're not to read out loud because it could influence and upset their self-esteem if they didn't pronounce the word correctly. And I thought to myself, well, if I don't know that they can even pronounce the word, how do I know they can even read? And so they don't read out loud in the classroom. How do I know that these kids can really read or even pronounce half these words? So um, when that started happening, I knew that it was my time to leave shortly thereafter and get out of that world because it was too frustrating. And I really do believe that that was part of the programming. Um, the kids were taken on a field trip, which thank God it finally stopped. They were taken to Rikers Island. Um, for anybody who lives near or knows about Rikers Island in New York, it's a prison. And so the kids were taken, the eighth grade field trip was to the prison to show them what their future could look like if they didn't do the work the way that it was designed to be done. So imagine taking a field trip to Rikers Island. Purpose was to scare them, but um, it was also to, I mean, I think maybe even to program them like, hey, look, this is what's gonna be for you. You know, like if, if you don't succeed, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> those school trips are over now though. Thank you. I have to say, I have to very much agree with you that um, I, I think that 
Um, there, there's a lot of stuff that uh, certainly I'm seeing and I'm feeling where there is a, um, there's almost like a control to stop or control people's natural perception. Um, yeah. That there's a massive dumbing people down, putting them in front of phones and screens and just having them. It is a very dystopian potential future. Uh, I would like to think that, that the conversations that we're having here this evening around the world um, with, with lots of people, um, we are not going to stand for that because it, it is really not acceptable. But there is certainly a dumbing down of just numbing people to their, their potential, their thoughts, their um, mm. intuition. We really need to uh, persevere as a, as, a, as, a, as a group and a growing group. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much for being part of the, the conversation this evening. Th- and thank Thanks you for, for listening to The Signal Line, a remote viewing podcast. You Don't know, forget to check out remoteviewed.com for remote think, viewing resources or our videos on YouTube under Remote Viewed. We're a part of the greater collective consciousness. And by us doing this work, we are making a difference and we are protecting ourselves from being numbed and controlled. And I just really thank all of you for being here and for doing this work and just knowing that there's so much more to us as human beings than what we're told. So kudos to all of you for being amazing remote viewers and just doing the work. Excellent, thanks for that guys. Um, I think we should probably end it there because we've been going for two hours. And I wanna say a big thank you to Ellie and to Audra as well for sharing your experiences and everyone else that shared you know, and shared your, your remote viewing as well. We're definitely gonna have to get you back on again, Eddie, if you're, if you're up for that. Excellent. Absolutely. Excellent. Thank you, everyone. It's been a really fascinating evening. I hope you have a good weekend ahead. We shall see you next week. So take care. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Dennis. Bye, everybody.